Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. My previous episode was interesting, and that was about sex. So it was about whether you should have sex on the first date. So you should subscribe so that you get to hear that one. I made a little mistake and pressed uh, it to be on subscribe after, you know, a little bit of time. So some of you got to hear that one for free. But for the rest of you, it is a bonus episode. And only if you subscribe and click the link in the description to do so, will you be able to hear that episode or any other bonus episodes. I also have the secret Facebook group now that's private. So if people want to engage and get their questions answered in real time in a different modality, um, such as video, then join the Facebook group that is also in the link. So anyhow, today I'm going to answer a reader question. And she wrote, I've been married 20 years and we have a six-year-old daughter. My husband is a good-hearted, fun, super smart guy with strong principles. He also has ADHD, tends to be a workaholic. As far back as I can remember, he was always working excessively and I was always wanting to spend more time with him until about 10 years ago when I started not to care anymore. Another issue is we don't ever have sex. He was much less interested than I was early on, but I kept thinking it was because of his work schedule. I really regret not understanding that some aspects of a relationship just cannot be worked on and trying for so many years to ignite the spark between us. Obviously, nothing was ever going to ignite. Uh, Now that I finally realize it, I feel trapped and tortured. I don't want to make my six-year-old suffer and destabilize the family, but living a sexless life till the grave doesn't sound good either. My hope is to find a marriage model like permanent nesting that would allow us to live on the same street and even eat dinner together a few nights per week so my daughter benefits from having both parents close by but also allows us romantic freedom. Am I being a total Pollyanna? Have you ever heard of couples who succeeded in a similar arrangement? Thank you. Well, thank you, reader, for uh, writing in with a question so I did not have to think about another podcast uh, topic. So that's great. Um, Anyhow, no, I have not, unfortunately, ever heard about this working out long term. Um, Everybody comes into it, you know, thinking they are going to be the ones who pull it off and nobody ever is. Uh, If anybody is in an arrangement where they can do this, uh, have dinner multiple times a week and live on the same street, they are called married. They are married already. They are not divorced. And those are usually the people that could stand to sit down and eat a family dinner multiple times a week. In fact, most married people with kids cannot do that. So yes, you are being a bit naive and I would not be a therapist if I did not relate this to the same kind of idealism and maybe naivete that allowed you to stay so long in a sexless marriage thinking that it was the guy's work schedule. So I think that the same issue is at play in both of those scenarios uh, where you like to kind of hope for the best would be the nice way to say it. Put your head in the sand would be the more realistic way to say it. So if people can really remain very close, they usually can also stay married. And you especially, now let's picture this, right? You haven't had sex in God knows how long, right? At least 10 years. And what are you going to want to do? I mean, what are you going to want to do? You're going to want to date a guy. So, of course, you should refer back to my previous paid podcast on whether or not you should have sex with such man immediately. But um, either way, you're not going to want to see your husband's face across from the dinner table after you have, are sleeping with another dude. You know, eventually you are going to remarry, I assume. Either way, he's just going to make you kind of... Pe- people don't like end up loving their co-parent and divorced ex-spouse more 
over time, you're finally able to verbalize and think about every reason that it didn't work out. So the best that most people can hope for, and by most people, I mean anybody that I've ever seen, is a courteous, friendly relationship in which uh, you do a nice drop off and pick up. You know, and you text about what, you know, you got to PayPal me $100 because I paid for, uh, you know, the dance costumes, whatever. So this is needs to be the goal. If you can have dinner multiple times a week, also, your daughter will be very, very confused about why you divorced. And so would I, because you'll be basically almost in a two-house open marriage sort of thing, which is extremely confusing and not in any way anything that she's seen replicated. Plus, remember, you are not going to feel less resentment toward this guy in the in the immediacy after of the aftermath of the divorce you're going to be like man why did i stay in this shit situation for so long jesus christ he's a workaholic he's going to miss some of those dinners you know it already he has adhd some of them aren't going to be on his calendar you are setting yourself up to fail here what i believe the goal needs to be is a much more attainable one a courteous amicable divorced relationship that fits into the mold of whatever other divorced relationship she's going to see and in fact maybe more friendly than the other ones that she sees among her friends and if she doesn't have friends with divorced parents yet she will over time so I feel like um, on a deep level there is a lot of you that um, likes to maybe pretend that problems aren't happening or that they won't happen and this is kind of a, a very good, a good example of that. Now, for other people that also feel the same sort of thing or feel like we're all going to do, um, you know, we're all still going to eat once a week together or like whatever, we're all going to go to the park together. This usually does not happen. A very practical reason that it doesn't happen is because one person or both usually have another partner sooner than later, especially in a situation like this where you felt unloved for many years. And um, and then it gets a little awkward, dinner with the ex when you're with your new partner and the child. And also the child starts to say stuff that makes you realize like how confusing this is. Like, oh, like, do you still love daddy because wasn't daddy so nice at dinner? then what are you going to say? You know, like, no, but like, we both like to hang out and ask you questions about how your day was. Why does that have to happen together? Like either you are together as a family or you're not. So you build your own family with your daughter and he has his own family with your daughter. And I write a lot about this and how to have a good family post-divorce and how to set things up in my book, How to Talk to Your Kids About Your Divorce, which I can link you to in my uh, description. So you we're trying to have a very clear-cut, non-confusing way for a child to understand what has happened. And that is, Daddy and I just really don't get along and, um, and we don't love each other like people should who are married. So that means we don't really love each other as people should um, who eat dinner together multiple times a week either because otherwise that's going to feel like that, uh, you know, godforsaken sad movie where the children are trying to get the divorced parents back together but because it's a kid's movie they succeed and like fuck up a whole generation of kids that think that they can do that now. So you don't want to put your daughter in that situation where every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday she feels like it's the time to get everybody back together. That would be very confusing. Also, she's an only child. 
So this is a large burden anyhow. You know, she doesn't have any siblings to talk to about this who could provide any sort of a reality check. So really, you want to go as straightforward and clear as possible. We do not get along as and love each other as people should. And so we are going to be living separately. I don't think the, the same street is a great idea either. Again, think about when you have other partners, right? Somebody usually doesn't like that, you know, and also... You have to see the person all the time, and that means that you are going to reckon with whatever feelings you have about them. So this always seems like a better idea than it ends up being. There could be a little bit of space. A five-minute drive is great. A two-minute drive is great. Next-door neighbors may not be so great. Now, there was a New York Times article about these people that are divorced. They're living in the same house on different floors. If this is the wave of the future, I will be pretty surprised, but anything can happen. Usually, this does not work for the various reasons that I've outlined. Now, in terms of how to um, process this with your daughter, you don't really have to... um, You don't have to worry, it seems, about her feeling like she's not a priority. Only children always feel like a priority in divorce from what I see in the current generation. Previous generations, they could have been lost in the shuffle. Maybe people had new kids, whatever. Um, But now, any divorcing couple that I've seen with an only child, the child is very obviously the priority and does not doubt that they are the priority. So that's one thing you don't have to worry about. You could verbalize it if you'd like. You'll always be my priority. But, you know, you, you probably don't have to worry about her not feeling like that. If you're the sort of a parent that's writing in to ask a question about this, you're already ahead of the game. Thinking about um, all of these issues puts you in a very good place compared to many parents. So she's already going to feel like you prioritize her. And I, I really think that it would be a good idea for you to read my book or whatever other books about how to talk to your kid about your divorce, because most of them stress this kind of very clear approach, you know, and to explain it in a way that a child can understand. Now, if you want to do bird nesting at first, bird nesting is when the child stays in one place and the parents leave and come and leave and come. So each parent has an apartment and they, or they, one stays with friends, stays with family, whatever. This is usually a temporary arrangement until the other person that didn't get the house gets a house. Um... I've not seen anything work with permanent nesting. Again, because people get their own partners, they want to start building up their own uh, equity in their own home and they want to live their own lives. They don't want to keep living out of a suitcase or go back and forth, back and forth all the time. Uh, That's why nesting usually does not stay permanent and I've never seen it stay permanent, although it is a good interim thing if you're amicable enough to do it. I did it for a year uh, myself, and that was that was a good um, interim step. But again, uh, also, I mean, very pragmatically speaking, like if he can afford, and you know that he's going, he's a workaholic. Maybe he made enough money to go eventually, you know, just to buy a house straight out. And if he does and he wants to do that, then a house nearby would be ideal. 
in the same school district, if you use public schools, would be even more ideal because it gives you the chance to perhaps move at a later juncture if you want to. So then two people have the school district, but usually this doesn't happen, you know. Um, but I mean, that would be ideal. So yes, I think that yes, you're being Pollyannish. Yes, this is a quality that you have um, had throughout your life, it appears. And uh, no, I don't think that the dinners all the time are good. I think if you want the first Christmas to be together, maybe, you know, something like that. But overall, starting out as you mean to go on with uh, we are separate. And when we bird nest, also, you're not like chilling during the um, drop off and pick up. That isn't like time for us all to watch a movie on the couch. You leave, he comes, he leaves, you come. Like that's how it goes. So that is also much more easily understandable for the children, which is really the goal. The goal is to do anything. If it's going to confuse your kid, don't do it. And she'll have a lot of questions, you know, perhaps about the divorce and you answer them openly and honestly and developmentally appropriately. Uh, Some books used to stress saying this isn't because of you. Don't say that. That is a crazy thing to say in my mind. Of course it's not because of your kid. That's like the thing that y'all both love so much and she can pick up on that. If you say something like that, I believe it plants a seed like, holy shit, people divorce because of their kids? You know, like I feel like this is an outmoded piece of advice that could potentially do more harm than good with a sensitive child that had never had that idea in their head before you tell them that it's not the case. Um... So, but of course, if she somehow is a child who says, was it because of me? Then of course you say, no, definitely not. It was certainly not. You're the best thing that came out of this marriage. And always say, I'm gl- when the person says, when the kid says, and some of them do, the highly sensitive ones especially, are you still glad you married mommy slash daddy? You say, of course, because I got you, you know, and of course I wouldn't do anything different because I got you. And then, you know, when she's like, you know, over 18, 21, you could be like, yeah, of course, because I got you. But also don't date a man who won't have sex with you. (laughs) You know, you could also give her some uh, input when she's an adult. You don't have to be a black box, a sphinx forever. But if she comes to you with questions later as an adult, it's really different from now. Now your job is to be uh, as as positive about the future as possible, but also don't deny your own sadness. If somebody cries during the conversation about divorce, that's not bad. That's respecting that this is a sad event, which is how your child is going to feel. So obviously I could do a lot of... Um, work podcast on how to talk to your kids about your divorce as I wrote a whole book about it but I also wrote a whole book about it so you can get that and um, thank you so much for writing in if you have any more questions as this thing progresses then don't hesitate to reach out I wish you luck uh, with launching your life as a single person and with helping your daughter through this divorce okay and I will talk to everybody soon have a great day guys